All right, all right. Hey, guys, we're going to pray and we're going to jump in uh, this morning. We got, we got, uh, I'm excited about what we're gonna, about to do here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this moment right now. And God, I pray that you would just do whatever it takes, God, right now to get our attention. Wake us up and break uh, through anything that you've got to break through in our lives. Uh, Jesus, if we're just not dialed in, help us to dial in. Uh, God, if we're tired, distracted, whatever, whatever's in the way, Get it out right now, because God, I think that you've got something tailor-made for our church today. I think you've got something tailor-made for this audience, and so God, have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I can tell, listen, listen, I feel like we can go home already. We've heard some amazing stories of how God just, like what we just sang, how God breaks every chain in somebody's life. Isn't that amazing what we've heard this morning, man? That just, that's awesome. The stories we've heard, how Austin invites somebody, God saves them. How, how Kim gives the Bible and it leads to salvation. And, and really, uh, to be honest, that just absolutely, it's just so cool how God puts uh, church services together uh, a lot of times. We see this all the time behind the scenes. It's just cool what God did today. Because that just sets up perfectly exactly what we're talking about this morning. Because if I could give you one big idea that we are talking about today as we're wrapping up this series called Expiration Date. Um, and listen, I don't know about you, but this has been one of my favorite series we've done in our church, this series, Expiration Date. Man, I have loved this series. But if I can give you one big idea that you can tweet, that you can update your status with, that you can take with you into this week, because this week we're getting ready for next Sunday. Next Sunday is what? Starts with an E, ends with Easter, I don't guess. It's Easter, right? It's Easter next week. Like if you didn't know, that's a big deal in church. It's like, that's like the Super Bowl of churches is next Sunday. It's a big, big, big deal. And so here's, I just want to give you this one idea today. The big idea is this, that until our expiration date comes, we have a mission. Until our expiration date comes, we have a mission. Because what we've done every week in this series is we've talked about how every person has an expiration date. That there's a date, that there's a date sometime when we are going to die. And I know that's morbid, and I know that may not, might not be what you came to hear today, but that's going to happen to me. It's going to happen to all of us, that every single person in the room has an expiration date. And we can't change when that date is, what we've talked about in this series, but we can change what we do with what's in the middle. Remember we talked about the dash? We can change our dash. We can use our dash. And so until our expiration date comes, we have a mission. Because here's what I need you to see. Not only do you have an expiration date, but your friends have an expiration date. Did you know that? Do you know your family has an expiration date? Your kids do. The, the person that you work with every single week, that person at work that gets on your nerves, you've been praying their expiration date will come sooner, right? We have one, but did you know that your friends have an expiration date? Your family has an expiration date. And so people have an expiration date. And so here's what I need you to see today. I need you to know that God's heart beats for people who are far from him. See, when we talk about that we have a mission, the mission that we have is to tell the world that there is one name under heaven and earth by which men, women, boys, and girls, doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, there is one name under heaven and earth by which anyone can be saved, and it is Jesus Christ. 
That is it. Now, I know you might not like that. See, some of you are clapping. Others of you, ah, it's awful. Like, that is so offensive. He just said there's only one way to know God. I hate that. And listen, hey, I get it, man. I totally do. I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't believe in God. I met Jesus when I was 18. That's another story for another day. But I used to hate that too. See, the world we live in, here's that exclusive claim. You know, that narrow claim. Jesus is the only way in the world we live in hates that. You might be here and you hate that. And listen, if you're here and you're not a Christian and you're like, wow, that really, man, I just don't like that. I'm not comfortable with that. That really offends me. I don't like that exclusive claim. Hey, you know what, man? I'm, so, I'm, I'm excited that you're here. To be honest, we started this church for you, okay? We started this church not for people who have all the answers, have it all together. So if you're there, you're like, an, maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you don't know. But you just don't, oh man, I don't like that exclusive claim. Hey, listen, you're in a safe place today, but here's what I need our church to know. Every person in the world is exclusive. Atheist, not an atheist, doesn't matter who you are. Every person in the world is exclusive. Because you might not like it that the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to know God, but the very second you hear that and you say inside yourself or out loud, that can't be that way. It can't be that there's only one way. That's an exclusive claim. See, if you don't like me because I'm on stage right now saying, you know what, that guy is saying his way is the only way, and then you come back at me saying, hey, that's not right, well, then you're saying that your way is the only way. That is an exclusive claim. And I just need you to know, long story, but here's, i got to move on. I just need you to know, because next Sunday's Easter, I have cashed my opinion on this issue in on the man who came back from the dead. Like, if you come back from the dead, you have my attention. Okay, and that's what he said, that he's the only way anybody can know God, and he came back from the dead. So, like, I am leaned in on the Jesus team, all right? But the mission that we have is the mission to tell the world. The world needs to know that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And so God's heart beats for people who are far from him. God's heart beats for people who need a relationship with him. Here's my question, does yours Oh, I love how quiet it is in this room. It means that, man, we're, get, we're hitting something. Can I ask you something today? Can I ask you one question? Is the eternal state of your friends and your family on your radar? Let me ask you a follow-up question. Will you do something about it? Is the eternal state of your friends, of your school, where you work, is the eternal state of the people in your life on your radar, and will you do something about it. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to open it up or scroll to it on your phone to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to be in verses 18 through 20, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, and it says this. It says this. This is the Apostle Paul. If you don't know who that is, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, didn't, wasn't always a Christian. In fact, he hated Christianity, killed Christians, and then uh, met Jesus the book called Acts. This is Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. It says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now see, if you're a Christian, that's what God's done in your life. God has reconciled you to Jesus. So you were going your way, and then God says, No, 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 man, I love you too much to let you do that, sir or ma'am. I'm going to save you, I'm going to reconcile you, and I'm going to bring you into a relationship with me. So that's what God has done in your life. God has reconciled us to himself, and watch this, gave us the ministry 
of reconciliation. God saves us and he's given us a ministry. He's given you a ministry and you and you and you and you and me and all of us. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, beg you, plead with you, do whatever we can for you so that on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Two things I need you to see very quickly, church, about the mission we're on. First thing I need you to see today is that God's on a mission. I need you to see today that God is on a mission. How many of you know that churches get in fights over stupid things? Raise your hand if you know this to be the case. Hallelujah, praise God, glory, right? Churches have a reputation for fighting over things that at the end of the day don't matter, like what, like carpet, right? Churches, oh man, churches, churches fight all the time about music, right? That music's too loud, or that music's too low, that music's too fast, wah, 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 Right? Oh my gosh, I've told this story before. I went to Bible college with a girl that swore up and down her church almost came to physical blows over whether or not the toilet paper in the bathroom stalls goes over or under. And everybody who's going to heaven knows it goes over, amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We've settled that. Go home. See you next Sunday. Easter's next week, right? Churches get in fights over silly things. Can I give you one? It's in-house debate, but I hear it sometimes. I, I, I hear it here every once in a while. I'm going to use some Christian words, I'll define them. Christians get in fights, churches get in fights over evangelism versus discipleship. Evangelism versus, here's what evangelism, evangelism is reaching people, seeing people meet Jesus so that people get saved. We're telling people about Jesus. Discipleship is seeing people grow in their relationship with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, going deeper in their faith. And so I hear, I hear all the time, well, I don't like that church because all that church is is evangelism and reaching more people and that church isn't very deep. I need to go to a church that's deep. I need to go to a church where I just feel like I'm drowning. It's so deep I can't pray. Right? It needs to be deep. And so I just, want, I just want it deeper. And so there's this argument between evangelism and discipleship. And the problem is that evangelism and discipleship are friends, not enemies. God never intended for those two things. To, God never intended for it to be teams in the body of Christ where there are some people fired up about reaching people for Jesus and other people who are fired up about growing in their faith with Jesus. No, evangelism and discipleship are the same thing. You can't separate them. Because listen to me, you show me somebody that is not sharing their faith with someone else, you show me somebody whose heart doesn't beat for the lost the way that God's does, and I'll show you somebody that is not going very deep in their faith. And you show me somebody that wants to go deep in their faith, listen, if that's you, you say, man, Mark, what can I do in the next seven days to take my faith to another level? I'll tell you the exact thing you can do. Tell somebody about Jesus before Easter Sunday and do it when you're scared and watch God skyrocket your faith. Do it. See, but watch this, watch it, watch it, watch And you might be here and you, th- you think, maybe you're thinking this. Listen, I just come to church, I just come to church so that I can be encouraged, so that I can be inspired. I leave the world changing stuff to other people. Here's the problem. See, the problem is that if God's heart beats for lost people and we are over here, then we are on a different page than God. Can I submit to you that's not a good thing? Because God is a God on mission. What is God doing right now? While we're in this room, what is God doing right now? 
I bet God's day planner is busy. I bet God's iPhone bings off all the time. His iCal is always, he's always got appointments. He's God, right? What is God doing right now? Well, there's a lot of things God's doing right now. Can I show you one, though? Can I show you one that's at the top of his list? We read it. It's in verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. What's God doing right now? God is saving people right now. Somewhere in the world, in corners of the world we've never known before, no, never known about, God is saving people. There are people getting saved in churches all over this world. There are people who are listening to podcasts, watching Christians on television, sermons on television. Somebody's hearing that today. They're giving their life to Jesus. I believe there's somebody here in this room, and today you're going to give your life to Jesus. God is reconciling people. God is saving people right now. Why? Because God is on a mission. God is on a mission to save the world, and God has always been on that mission. The Bible is about two things. It's about the gospel of Jesus and God's mission to save people with that gospel. Genesis to Revelation, it's all about God on a mission. You don't believe me. Can I show you? Can I show you? I really don't know why I'm asking. That's what I plan to do, and I have a microphone strapped to my face. God's always been on mission. Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter 3. The first thing God does is sacrifice an animal so that animal sacrifice can point us to Jesus and reconcile them to God. And God takes the skin of that animal and clothes Adam and Eve so that they can have a relationship with God. Then you fast forward. Genesis chapter 12. God comes to a man named Abraham and he says, Abraham, go. Pack up your family. Pack up your friends. And I want you to go out and you are going to be a blessing to the nations. First Chronicles chapter 16, it says these verses right here. We can get these verses up on screen. First Chronicles 16, 24, declare his glory among the nations. Why does God want his glory declared among the nations? Because he's a God on mission. Habakkuk chapter 2 says this, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Why does God want the earth filled with his, with his knowledge? Why? Because God is a God on mission. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is a prophet. Isaiah comes face to face with God. God comes to Isaiah and he says, listen, I need somebody to go and to tell people about me. In Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, Isaiah's response is this, God, here am I, send me. Why did Jesus come? You fast forward to the New Testament, why did Jesus come? Jesus puts it bottom shelf, couldn't make it any clearer of why Jesus came in the gospel of Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the what? The lost. Jesus came for broken people, for hurting people, for the addict, for the person that so far that people have given up on them, for the person who on the inside is falling apart but outside looks like they've got it all together. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. When is Jesus coming back? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? Oh, wouldn't you like, what if I could tell you? Told you this church was crazy. You want to know when Jesus is coming back? Hey, I don't know what your Facebook news feed looks like, but my Facebook news feed looks like Jesus could come back in five minutes so the world's so jacked up, right? And here's the problem. So many Christians are scared about what's going on in the world. I hear Christians, it's worse now than it's ever been. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. When I look at the world, here's what I think. People are lost. They will act lost. They need Jesus. That's always been true. It'll always be true. When is Jesus coming back? I'll tell you when Jesus is coming back because he told us when he's coming back. Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom is going to be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony and then the end will come. You know when Jesus is coming back? When the whole world hears. How are we doing on that? I checked this morning. There are 24 million people in this world at this moment who have never heard of the name of Jesus Christ. 
24 million people. Here's what somebody in the room's thinking. Oh, well, that's other people out there. Did you know that research was done just a couple of years ago showing that there are, region, there are areas in eastern Kentucky that are more lost than corners of Africa? Jesus said, I'll come back when the whole world hears. That's why Jesus says in John 20, 21, because remember, God is on a mission. Jesus says in John 20, 21, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending who? Oh, five people. You. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending who? You. Jesus gives the church his mission. Why? Because he's, got, he's a God on mission. In Matthew chapter 28, look at these verses right here, 19 and 20. Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Go into all of the world. That's the church's mission. And then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth. So many Christians are running around scared right now about the world and the condition of the world. Did you know Jesus says this about the church? Look at this next verse here. Uh, thought it was going to be up there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Did you know that Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Show of hands, how many people have a gate in their house? Gate around their house or somewhere around their house? You got a gate. Raise your hand. I have a gate. Why do you have a gate? You know why you have a gate? I've got a gate because I don't want nobody getting in. Right? Isn't that why you have a gate? You have a gate for defensive purposes. Did you know that heaven has no gates? Hell has gates. Why? Because hell is on defense. The church is on offense. The ball is in our hands, and the kingdom of God is advancing, and hell knows it. People are giving their life to Jesus, and hell says we need to put up a gate because Jesus is kicking it down. Says this about the church in 1 Peter, the verse that we just now had up. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, that the church would proclaim God's excellencies. In 2 Peter 3, 9, I love this verse. 2 Peter 3, 9. God is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's heart beats for lost people. God wants heaven full and hell empty. God's heart beats for people. And this impacted Paul so much. Romans chapter 10 verse 1 says that my prayer for them. Paul at one point starts to think about his friends, his family that don't know Jesus. And Paul says this in Romans 10 1. My prayer to God is that they would be saved. Hey, imagine this scenario. Imagine that God answered the top five of your prayers this past week. Your biggest prayer request, what if God answered the top five you had this past week? Imagine that, everybody in this auditorium. Imagine that. Man, I bet we'd see a lot of people healed, wouldn't we? And listen, praise God for that. Should we pray that people get better? Should we pray for healing? The Bible says that Jesus is a healer. We should pray for healing. We absolutely should pray for that. I bet if God answered your top five prayer requests, then we'd see people get out of a financial bondage situation. I bet if we saw God answer your top five prayer requests, we'd see some things happen in your family. But I wonder if God answered anybody's top five prayer requests, would it impact anyone's eternity? It says, my prayer to God is that people would be saved. What do we do in heaven? What are we going to do in heaven? I don't know what we're going to do in heaven, everything, but I can tell you one thing. Look at this, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. 
And they sang a new song. They sang a new song. Just came out, just dropped on iTunes. It's at the top of the charts. We're singing a new song. Our band is in heaven, rocking it. Guitars have never been louder. Morgan and Ricky are singing their guts out in heaven, and we're there. Woo! What are they singing? What are they singing? What is the new single that our band drops in heaven? Here's how it goes. Worthy, this is the chorus, right? This is when we kick it in. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you what? Ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. What will we do in heaven? I don't know the answer to that, but I know what we will do. We will celebrate that God is a God on mission and he rescued us. He rescued us. I, I, just, I just want you to know that God is a God on mission. So when we say that our mission as a church is to see people transformed by Jesus and equipped to transform the world for Jesus, that's not something new that we made up. This is not something cute that we're trying to do here. There are people who are really lost. I need you to know today that your pastor does not believe that heaven and hell are metaphysical spiritual existences. I need you to know today that your pastor believes those are real places. That just as real as Hazard, Kentucky, and the chair you're in, there are people today who are going to heaven because their expiration date came. And they will be there for all of eternity. I believe that. And there are people today whose expiration date comes and they will go to hell. And that's even hard to say. That's not something that I say lightly. That's awful. But it's true. And God hates it. And it should bother us as well. See, God is a God on mission, and that leads to the second and final thing that I need us to see. God's mission is our mission. God's mission. It's our mission. I love what he says here, very quickly. Verse 19, that is in Christ. Well, verse 18, rather. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, he's talking to everybody here. I love this. He's talking not just to preachers. He's talking to every single person. See, I don't know if you know this or not, but you have been called to ministry. I don't like it when churches get people up, like the guy who's been called to, you know, preach or whatever, and they say, this is Jimmy Bob, and Jimmy Bob just got called to be a preacher. Let's all come up and shake Jimmy Bob's hand. And then the church comes up and shakes Jimmy Bob's hand. Jimmy Bob, I'm so excited he's going to be a preacher. This is awesome. Praise the Lord, you got called to ministry. I don't want that for our church. Here's what I want for our church. I want to have a church where we celebrate the person who gets called to be a preacher, but we also celebrate the person who is called to be a janitor and a teacher and a lawyer and a senator. Because here's what I need you to know. I need, and I need you to know that it doesn't matter where you're at, that's your mission field. I need you to know that every stay-at-home mom in this church is a missionary. Do you know that every middle school student and every high school student and every teacher, and I don't care what you do, you are a missionary. And where you go tomorrow and where you go today, that's your mission field. We can get on planes, and we're going to get on planes very soon, and we're going out of this country because I believe that God wants our church not only to start other churches around here, but all over the world. We're going we're to do that. You want to go on mission? 
Some of you are going home on mission because your husband is lost. Your wife is lost. Your kids are lost. School is a mission. Work is a mission. This is a mission field. It's why we do what we do. It's why we do what we do. Right out, there on the ta- right out there on tables in the lobby, we put a copy of you. For everybody that wants one, you can get our budget for the year and see where every single dime goes of what we're doing this year with every single thing that you give. Here's the first thing that you'll see when you go out to the table and grab that. This year, we're giving away, not even going to stay in this church. We're giving away $29,000. Giving it away. Why? Because we want to be a part of bringing the hope and the message of Jesus to the world. So we're giving away $29,000 this year to missionaries that are starting churches right here in North America, to missionaries who are starting churches in other places. We're giving, 20, we're giving a part of that money to our local Corner Haven homeless shelter, to Hickory Hills Rehab Center, and other strategic ministry partners that you're going to begin to hear about so that we can bring the hope and healing that only Jesus can bring into this area. We're, we're going to do strategic service projects all through this area. We're just going to give that away. That's why we're launching a campus in Whitesburg. Because Whitesburg needs Jesus, amen? It does. That's why we're building a student building. Because teenagers need Jesus, amen? And we will not stop until Perry County and Letcher and Leslie and Knott and Breathitt and Pike and Floyd and Eastern Kentucky and the world bows its knee to King Jesus. We will not stop. Because God is on a mission, and that mission is our mission. So here's the challenge, and we're done. Easter is next week. I'm challenging our church to come next week with somebody. Don't come next week alone. And this is a unique opportunity for us. And listen, listen, listen. If you've come to Summit before around this time of year, you can smell what I've been cooking all morning, can't you? You've heard this before. And listen, you're going to hear it again until God kills me or Jesus comes back. You're going to hear this because this is a unique time. There are people in your life that are more open to Jesus and a church invite this week than at any other time. And you know what? You might invite somebody and they might not come, but maybe you'll invite them to our craft group that meets during the week. Maybe you'll invite them to our basketball group that meets during the week. This coming life group semester, we're going to have softball groups. And I think we're even going to have guys that go out on four-wheelers and do all kinds of things. Why do we have groups like that? I've had some people ask me, that doesn't sound spiritual. Well, after I punch them in the throat, I tell them. See, I'll tell you exactly why we have groups like that. And we will always have groups like that because we will do whatever it takes short of sin to reach anybody. And I don't care what it sounds like, Basketball is not spiritual. Ask Kyle how spiritual basketball is. Because there he sits right there. And listen, we had the world's coldest, I mean largest Easter egg hunt yesterday. And Kyle was right there serving. Right there serving. Changed life. Him and his family, they serve in kids now. Started with one invite. What could one invite do for your friends this week? What could one invite do for that person? So here's my challenge. When you walk through those doors in just a second, we're going to give you some invite cards to use this week to make inviting to church next Sunday easier. But here's what I believe, and here's what I know. I believe there are students in this room right now who you've complained about your school for years, and you've never prayed for it. And there might even be somebody in this room right now, you have never prayed for a lost person by name. You've never done it. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to do it right now in just a moment. 
Because here's the, here's the response time. The response is this. If, there is, if there's someone in your life that you know that needs Jesus, in just a second, after I'm done, after I'm done, in just a second, I'm going to tell us, I'm going to say go, and I want this place to be flooded. We can flood these aisles, and we're going to get on our knees, or you can stand up straight, whatever you need to do, but we're going to make a move, and we're going to get desperate for God to save people. We're going to do that right now in a second. If you are on any team at your school, I want you up here praying for your team. Bring them next week. Wherever you, I want you up here praying for where you work. I would love to see every seat empty and every person up here. Now, you don't got to do this. You don't have to do anything. But the response is this. Let's come and let's ask Jesus to save. But let me, let me put a caveat on it. Don't come up here and pray for anybody unless you are willing to let God use you to answer the prayer. Because God might use you to lead that person to Jesus or invite them this week. God might use you. So unless you're willing to do it, if you're not willing to do that, don't, go, don't do it. Don't do, you, don't have to, you don't have to do anything. But I just wanted this week for our church to make a move and say, Jesus, we are desperate for you to save this person, my family, my kids, my team, my school, this region. Would you stand with me? Let's all stand up. And if there is someone in your life that you know needs Jesus Christ, I'm challenging you right now to come up here and to pray for them. Make your move right now. You come right now. Right this second. If it's, a, if it's your kids, you come. If it's your husband, you come. If it's your wife, you come. If it's your school, bring people who go to your school together and come up here and pray together as a group. You work together with some other people who you see here. Get them together right now. Get off somewhere. Pray for your school where you work. Pray for the hospital where you work. Pray for Walmart, the store that you work for. Pray for where you go to. Pray for your team. Pray for your neighborhood. You see somebody lives on your street, get them together. Say, man, let's pray for our street. We've never done this. Pray that God saves people. Pray for people who need Jesus. You might be here and you're a Christian. you got a relationship with God. You don't know any lost people. Hey, why don't you come up here and pray and say, God, bring people into my life that need Jesus. I need to know lost people. You make your move, you come. People are coming, you come. Say, I'm coming up there on behalf of those people. Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. Jesus, right now, right now, God, with people up here praying, with people in their seats, standing, praying, people need Christ. God, we are reminded this morning that there are people that we know who have an expiration date coming. And if you don't move in their life, if you do not save them, then Jesus, they're going to step into eternity without you. Let that bother us. Let, let that let us lose sleep this week. God, remind us that, that Jesus, everywhere we go, school, work, play, it doesn't matter. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Help us to be a people that go in Jesus' name to proclaim that message. Father, I pray for every single person that's represented here. People that maybe somebody didn't come up, but they know somebody. They're thinking about somebody. I pray for that person or those people. God, save them. pray they would say yes to you. I pray that you'd fill the 915 and 11 o'clock next week. That people would be saved next week. People would continue to invite people to groups. People would do whatever it takes to see people meet Jesus. 
while we're in the spirit of prayer, you might be here and listen. If you need to give your life to Jesus, don't you dare wait till Easter Sunday. You can do it right now. You, you, you can do it today. If you're here, you need Jesus to save you. You want to begin a relationship with him. I invite you to pray this prayer with me right there where you're standing or where you're kneeling, wherever you're at. If you want Jesus to save you, pray this with me silently where you are. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. Make me new. I give my life to you today for the very first time. Help me to love you and to live for you from this moment forward. No one is looking around. No one is looking around. But listen, Jesus never saves us and wants us to leave it inside, leave, you know, not, never tell anybody. Jesus always wants us to make it public. And so if you're here and today you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, you've heard this message and you say, and, and listen, if that's you, you're not a Christian, God is on a mission for you. He loves you. He wants to save you today. And if today you say, I want Jesus to save me, I'm going to count to three. As soon as I count to three, just raise your hand high in the air so that I can see it. One, two, three. Raise it right now. If today you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time, there are hands right here up front. Other hands. Other hands. If you say, I want Jesus in my life. I need Jesus to save me. Listen, if you're making that move today, if you're making that decision, look at me for just a second. On the back of your connection card, the box that says, I gave my life to Christ, please don't run out of here without checking that box, giving that card to somebody in the back, because we want to follow up with you and help you. Jesus, I thank you for decisions that are made. I thank you for people that are up here praying for people, people that are on our hearts. God, we're, we're going to leave here in just a moment, maybe with a bigger perspective. We've never thought of school and our lives and work. We've never thought of this stuff this way before. It's a mission field. We don't just go there and work there and live there. We have been sent there. Help us to go in your name this week and invite and bring in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's thank God for today, man. This was awesome. I love it. I love it. Hey, listen, next Sunday, next Sunday is going to be unreal, man. It's going to be so special. It's Easter Sunday. We have a 9-15 and an 11 o'clock. 9-15-11. 9-15-11. Pick one. Bring people with you. Guys, come ready and on your way out there are going to be people giving you some invite cards if you want hundreds of them get as many as you want leave them everywhere you go guys love you you are dismissed see you next sunday